Another big weekend now in the history books behind us on the schedule as a couple of series getting things underway here in 2018. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Rob Howden, joined as always by David Cole. This is another EKN Debrief, episode number 21. David and I sitting down here on April the 11th to go over the United States Pro Kart Series opener at Ocala Grand Prix. The Southern Grand Prix was the name of the event, and this show, this episode of the Debrief, is being presented by K1 Race Gear. Since 2003, K1 Race Gear has been a one-stop shop for all your indoor and outdoor karting needs. From racing shoes, suits, driving gloves, to chest protectors, rib vests, accessories, and bags, K1 Race Gear provides quality karting products for the enthusiast and the professional alike. Visit K1RaceGear.com today and get everything you need for your next racing outing. Once again, jumping into another debrief, number 21. Man, we've, uh, we've knocked a bunch of these out, and in fact... David Cole, uh, we've already knocked a bunch of them out this year. We uh, we continue to rock and roll through our particular EKN trackside live schedule. What is this, race number seven, I think, for us this year? Well, it, I believe this was my fifth one. So, yeah, it's seven overall because you count the uh, the two you went to without me. Uh, yeah, we're looking yeah. at seven races. <laughs> I like it. Uh, you know what? And I'll give it up to you. You got a chance to get out of the cold that is still embracing the northern climes of both the U.S. and Canada. Man, it's still cold up here, but but you were able to head south for the start of the USPKS series. Uh, again, Ocala Grand Prix, nice weather for the most part uh, in Ocala, Florida. Well, warm was the the main concern. Like, I, who cares if it rained? Because yeah. l- luckily for us, it uh, it rained uh, at Saturday night. So uh, you know, big storm came blowing through. Uh, luckily, we got everything in. Uh, we did have a brief, like, one-minute shower during one of the mini uh, heat races on Saturday, but it just gave us, like, a 15-minute delay, and the track was dry by the end of that. So it was a, maybe a couple sketchy laps for the first class out on track, but everybody was on slick tires, so they were all on the same page. But, you know, weather-wise, yeah, it was it was great to get uh, to start sweating again. <laughs> right? I know it's uh, it's been pretty cold. Uh, up here, of course, myself in Ontario, you in Michigan, it's and the cold's still gripping. It's not like it's stopping at all. And in fact, up here, I, I know in Ontario, there's a lot of guys that would have been out driving by now. It's uh, what April the 11th. Uh, it's still just above freezing here. I know all the years I raced, I was usually on track April 1st, April 2nd. That was kind of the time that we figured we'd get on track to do our first practice sessions. I'm sure you're pretty much the same in Michigan, but yeah, chance for you to get to Florida, get some warm temperature, get comfortable with that. Of course, we're heading to Phoenix this coming weekend for the Challenge of the Americas finale, so more warm weather for us there as well. Uh, David, how about your thoughts on Ocala Grand Prix? It's been a while since you uh, attended an event down there. Yeah, it's been been a long time. I think it was 2009, the Stars of Carding wow. program. Uh, wow. When we were down there. Uh, that was, I think, my one and only visit there. Uh, I'm trying to think of of another time that I was there, but I think that was it because I've I haven't done any of the Florida Winter Tour stuff or now any of the Winter Series programs with Vescuza. So Florida is not exactly a destination I go to a lot, except for Daytona uh, every year. Well, you know, with uh, with uh, the Briggs and Stratton program as part of the Scusa Winter Series, we might have to drag you down there next year to do a little driving. Maybe that'd be a good idea. Yeah, it just conflicts with basketball up here. You know, basketball is basketball is a big important uh, deal up here. So with the family, yeah, it, 
Yeah, it's it's tough, but uh, you know, it was good to go back to Ocala. You know, it's it's just kind of one of those hidden gems that's just sitting alongside the highway. Yeah. You know, not a you know, it's a it's a big big uh, facility for our sport. It's just not you know as as uh, recognized as say like a GoPro or a Newcastle because of of the amenities there. But you know, Ocala is you know for 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 what they have it's probably one of the the best hidden gems that we have in the sport and it was actually one of the first times that uh the series has uh, visited uh ocala so this is their first trek anywhere south of north carolina because north carolina was it for uspks during the first five years so uh this was their first trip south they've talked about it for years uh but this time they pulled the trigger and i think it worked out pretty well this is episode number 21 of the EKN Debrief. Uh, David Cole and I are going to kind of do the the breakdown of the USPKS opener at Ocala Grand Prix. And David, speak to that. You know, I, it's, it's a very key point that this was the first time um, that the USPKS has gone south, as you said. And what, you know, obviously the schedule came out, a shorter schedule, which made it a little bit easier for people to run the entire program. What were the thoughts of people you talked to that, you know, are, are core supporters of the series to get down to Ocala here in uh, at the state, you know, early April. I I think you know, kind of like we talked about with the weather, it was just a nice break for people to get away from all the coldness. You know, when every year we had gone to um, GoPro in April, I, it pretty much rained every weekend, and it wasn't exactly warm yeah. weather that you wanted to escape to. So I think I think this was a kind of a win win. Uh, you know, with the IME program with the series being all IAMI now and the IAMI program growing uh, within the state of Florida and throughout the South, uh, you know, I think this definitely has the opportunity to be, uh, you know, maybe the, a mainstay uh, opening location for, for the series. Well, you know, when you think about the different people uh, and different groups of people that run different series, right? Because Florida now has a Scusa winter series. It's got the, it's essentially the Rock Cup Florida Winter Tour now. So you have your Rock Drivers, you've got your Scusa Pro Tour guys in Florida and, and whatever it may be. But you've got your core group of drivers who race the USPKS and they also race the Route 66 uh, Sprint Series, which is more of a regional series up in the, the Great Lakes area. You know, it kind of gives those drivers who wouldn't go to Rock Cup, wouldn't potentially go to the Scusa Winter Series, it gives them that time to get away and to get out of the cold and down to Florida. That's exactly it, Rob. And and like, but on the flip side, like you said, there was the winter programs all throughout Florida. So I think it kind of limited the number of actual Florida drivers from showing up because yeah. they had gone through what six to tw- six to ten events already this season. So it it uh, you know it, it, there's another there was definitely a number of factors onto why people were there and a number of factors as to why people weren't there. But overall, when you look at the broad picture, it was definitely an improvement from their last event in Autobahn, which which barely drew 60 carts. And to get 113 and to see the KA program, you know, developing to where it is now, uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's in the positive direction, that's for sure. You're going to talk more about uh, the event, uh, you know, some of the cool stuff that happened about the event and just kind of the setup for the event. When we get into the paddock pass section, that'll be after our first commercial break. But give us a rundown. You said 113 entries. You know, I've got some notes that you provided with me here. I'm looking at them as well. A really good cross section. You know, not a lot of cat classes in this particular program. Only seven, you know, categories on the USPKS to maximize track time. Give us a look at the at the numbers that you saw. And again, as you said, 113 uh, entries to get the season started. Yeah, I think I think where they hurt 
in the uh, in the was the junior category, the lowest category we had eleven. So at least every category of the seven were above ten, and that's something you know. So you're at least averaging double digits. So you want definitely want to do that when you're hosting a race. But um, you know, the X thirty junior was a little bit a little bit low in turnout uh, due to the fact of other events uh, going on that yeah. weekend and 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 obviously before and after. So I think that class limited um, X30 Pro was at 21, which was a great improvement from what we saw at the end of last year. Uh, we we used the class used to get an average of 30 every weekend. So to see it go back up to 21 is a good sign. You know, we'll see where it ends up uh, in the last two events of the year. I'm, I'm guessing it'll stick around the 20 marker. Um, the good thing was the KA. Uh, we, we showed 17 in, in the senior, but it was really the, the KA junior class, which made its debut in the series, which started at 14 and a number of them, number of them were actually from North Carolina. So I think, I think that category as more clubs and tracks begin to introduce the KA engine format, we'll be able to start seeing these numbers grow at the USPKS program, because obviously it's better to feed from the bottom up than from the top down. Uh, especially at this grassroots engine package that we have. And what are your thoughts on the uh, the X thirty Masters category getting back there? Yeah, the X you know, that you know I'll talk a little bit more about who was in there, but I mean it was yeah. guys from California, guys from the upper Northeast, so the guys from all over the country really came down and, and supported the program. You know, it's it's other than the Scusa Pro Tour, this is it. There's there's no other IME Masters program going on at a, at a big, big event or big major series like this other than that. So um, it was good. And it was one of the more competitive classes that we had throughout the weekend. So it was great to see, you know, I think it's just a mat, you know, obviously it was a matter of time that the master's class would start to, to get a rebirth, uh, a regrowth with numbers because we're starting to see a lot of drivers uh, reaching that master's yeah. age limit. So <laughs> It's, it's it kind of feeds itself, right? Every once in a while, every year, another group of drivers hit 30, 31, 32, and, and they're ready to jump into the master's class. Well, David gave us kind of a breakdown there of the class structure and the, the numbers that they were able to draw to the opening round of the, the USPKS series uh, at Ocala Grand Prix. After this break, David will come back and give us a better look inside the paddock to find out actually what was happening, what the talk was all about, and, and we'll let him do that after this break. If clean racing, fair competition, and tons of fun is what you're looking for in a racing program, then look no further than the United States Pro Kart Series. MG Tires, IAMI USA East, and Nitro Kart have all teamed up to present the 6th edition of the USPKS, and it just keeps on getting better. USPKS has forged a path in the U.S. by being the first major series to incorporate the pushback bumper system, setting a new standard in karting safety and competition. Our top-rated tech team has partnered with MG, IAMI, and VP Fuels to ensure our competitors are competing on a fair platform. With a renewed focus on value, the 2018 version of the USPKS will take its racers to top-karting venues like Ocala Grand Prix, GoPro Motorplex, and Newcastle Motorsports Park. Maximizing track time and fun is what the US Pro Kart Series is all about. If you'd like to join the party, check out our website at USPKS.com or look us up on Facebook at USPKS.
From coast to coast, IAMI has become the two-cycle engine of choice for American karting. Starting with the air-cooled 60cc Swift engine and moving through to the incredible X30 power plant, IAMI is providing much-needed stability for the sport. The Swift and X30 engines are the backbone of the Superkart USA Pro Tour and Pro Kart Challenge Series, as well as the USPKS, the Route 66 Sprint Series, and the WKA Manufacturers Cup. We're thrilled to introduce the new IAMI KA100 Rejet engine with a special introductory price of just $16.95 until the end of February. The new engine is getting rave reviews and will be part of the USPKS, Route 66, and WKA Man Cup programs in 2018. Watch for more regions of the country to get on board with this new formula. We have two distribution centers in the U.S. to serve you well. Miami East in Mooresville, North Carolina, and Miami West in Temecula, California. The momentum is continuing to build, so it's time to make an investment in stabilizing your engine program. For more information on Miami, head to the website for your region. IamiUSAEast.com or IamiUSAWest.com. Welcome back, EKN listeners, to episode number 21 of The Debrief. Uh, David Cole and I breaking down the opening round, the Southern Grand Prix, first round of the United States Pro Kart Series. That event held at the Ocala Grand Prix circuit in Central Florida. Uh, again, David Cole alongside Rob Howden. The Paddock Pass now up. Presented this particular episode by uh, Atlanta Motorsports Park, who, by the way, are looking for a full-time kart tuner to head up their program. Any tuners out there maybe listening in, maybe interested in this opportunity, you should head to atlantamotorsports.com slash kart hyphen tuners. Pretty good gig, David, uh, for the right person. An amazing facility. Uh, I'm actually working on an article right now for Atlanta Motorsports Park. They're putting in a, you know the full clubhouse, the shop. They're spending money on that place, and it's going to be a really badass racetrack when it's all said and done. Well, again, it, it's a it, like you said, it's kind of going to be a club facility. Uh, it's not one I don't think yeah. that we'll be able to go to with a big program, but but it's a great uh, grassroots uh, operation that will be able to feed, help build the, uh, the the sport a little bit more with with new racers. People who are interested in racing can go there for the big track and and uh, wander over to the kart track. So it's a great uh, facility they have going on. And, and actually, the uh, WKA National Road Race Series is going to be there uh, at the beginning of May uh, on the big track. So, oh, nice. it's, you know, it's definitely one of the facilities that we have in the country that's supporting karting big time. So, David, let's uh, jump into the paddock pass again, brought to you by Atlanta Motorsports Park. Uh, give us the give us the thought. What what was going on in the paddock? What were some of the cool stuff that you saw on the racetrack? And this really isn't race report stuff. The paddock pass kind of giving the stuff that you heard, kind of what happened and what you were able to pick up being trackside. Well, to begin with, it was the sixth season. It's the start of the sixth season for the USPKS program. And and the one thing that Mark Coates is is really done is make sure he has the right people in the right place. And and that's something he's done from event to event, uh, you know, making sure he has the right head flagman. You know, we had four sets of eyes plus a head flagman uh, watching the track. So with, with four race, you know, four basically race directors, and then a head flagman. That's that's five sets of eyes watching the race. So I don't think there were a lot of two. There weren't too many complaints about no calls or 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 this or nothing being done about certain certain things or anything going on the racetrack. But the one thing that kind of in turn limits that is the pushback bumper. Uh, this this yeah. being the second season for them implementing the pushback bumper. 
Uh, the only change to that program was instead of doing a time loss for penalties, whether it be five seconds or 10 seconds, they uh, moved it to be a position loss where with it being two or four positions that they're going to lose. What was, the, what was the feedback on that? Well, again, you know, I'll get, we'll get into that a little bit more later. But again, you have it. You have guys that are like, oh, this, you know what? The racing out here is a lot cleaner. You know, there's there's not a lot of guys making stupid moves, et cetera, et cetera. And then on the flip side, you're like, well, my my bumper didn't push in because I I rammed somebody, blah blah blah. And and so you have again, like we've talked about over and over again, this isn't a perfect system. There, it has its flaws, it has its minuses, it has its pluses. It's it's not going to be the best system out there. It the one thing it does it the starts that we saw throughout the throughout the weekend were were fairly clean with the exception of one or two out of what maybe twenty five different starts that we have. So you know, it's yeah. a good percentage there. But again, you know, and there weren't too many guys making those huge dive bombs from five carts back trying to pass a guy without even a, a chance at it. You're still going to have contact out there, you know. So again, I think it's. It had its pluses and it had its minuses. Well, you know, you're going to see that. And you're right, David. I think that's I think that's key. Um, with that system, you're going to get cleaner racing and you're going to get guys that are going to get penalized because they didn't even do anything. You know, it's whether it's whether it's just a chain reaction or whether it's somebody locking the brakes up early or whatever it may be. There's going to be guys that get penalized who probably didn't deserve it. But that's the system. And the reason why the system is here is because the racecraft is gone, right? Because people are driving like idiots. we got to bring the system in. This is the fallout. It's just collateral damage. That's exactly it. And yeah. and the other thing it brings in, especially at the Ocala circuit, is a lot of defensive driving. Um, yeah. You know, I again, it's been a while since I was at Ocala, but I think you saw it too during the, the Scusa Winter Series program. There was a lot of defensive driving going down the, the front straightaway there and in different parts of the, of the track as well, just because of the uh, the back and forth type uh, flow that the track has with with the, the way the corners are laid out that, you know, if, if even if you don't give an inch, they're not going to be able to take it, especially with the pushback bumper system. But in return, when you go down the straightaway and you get a good run out of that big bending 180 corner that just, you know, the big sweeper, the guys just boom, drop automatically drop to the bottom of the racetrack or, or, or run that stupid blend line where they go from the outside to the inside that, you know, they're blocking, but it's hard because it's their one move that they can make. So, um, it's a tough situation at that facility. So I, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of both the pushback bumper system and the track. Yeah. You know, it's, it's one of those racetracks just based on the layout that you can essentially run a complete defensive line all the way around, and it makes it very tough for the driver to go around the outside of you. You know, going through the hairpins, four or five, uh, yeah, four or five, six over to seven. All you have to do is if you just keep running the inside line, you're gonna you're gonna ruin your exit. But it's tough for someone to get by you because of the straightaways aren't long enough after you've made that you know that block move. So you're right, and, and the big run down the front straightaway drives me absolutely nuts. They come out of that the, the sweeper nice and wide. Drive right across start finish line, drive it all the way back, looking over their shoulder the whole time, driving it all the way back to the bottom. And again, it's one of those deals where with the pushback now, you can't even, you've really taken it away from the driver to say, hey, you can't do that to me. You do it to me four, four laps in a row. I'm going to send you at the end of the straightaway. You can't even do that because if you right. do that, you get the penalty. So it's tough. It's, it's, it's really tough. Let's, let's, let's spin more onto the positives 
and talk about the return of the Masters class. I, you know, we, you and I are big supporters of Masters, whether it's it's two hundred six or KA or or you know Tag X thirty or Rock or Shift or whatever it is. We love seeing guys. 30 and up, 45 and up, get out there and have it. Well, if, if you kind of look at the demographics of karting right now, it's more oriented towards the kids who are 17 and younger and basically guys who are 30 and up. You know, that that is yeah. our demographic right now that hits. I mean, yeah, we have people between the ages of 18 and 30 that want to race, but a lot of them either A, can't afford it, or B, just don't have the time to be able to do it, or C, they work in the industry. And, and and don't drive. Yeah. So, yeah, so I I think you know as we talked about before the 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 drivers that are reaching that thirty years of age, and a lot of it is just guys who are looking at karting as a better alternative to motorsports rather than spending the the thousands and thousands of dollars they do on a car race for you know the 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 thirty minute race they get to do they get to co- go to a, a karting track be on track for an hour on Friday and an hour on Saturday and an hour on Sunday and, and, and be competitive uh, right from the get go, or at least have somebody to race with all the time. So, you know, the master's class, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys throughout the country that just want to go and race. And and it's great to see the USPKS program, bring it back. And, and one of the drivers we saw, excuse me, on the weekend returning, which, you know, we're shocked to see in the master's class, but I guess, you know, he is of age now is Scott Speed, a former national champion, a former Formula One driver, a former former NASCAR driver, now three-time uh, global rallycross champion uh, coming in and racing with his dad and brother's uh, race team. Yeah, thanks for that. That's uh, Scott Speed being master's age. I don't think I've ever felt as old. To a certain extent, actually, almost it's almost worse even that that when Nick Tucker, who was a junior driver back in the Scusa days uh, in the first start of the Promoter Tour, he became Masters age. Even like Scott was 16 years old when we launched the uh, Shifter Card Illustrated magazine and Scusa launched their Promoter Tour. And now here he is with a, an amazing resume, uh, but now running in the Masters classes. That'll definitely make you feel it a little bit. Well, and the one thing I, you know, I didn't have a chance to speak with him because he was you know, obviously a little busy. He was helping out, you know, with, with some, now I don't know necessarily driver coaching because he'll always say Alex is a better coach or driver than he was, but yeah. you know, he was busy with, you know, talking with people and taking photos and being, you know, being a, a, a polite uh, professional driver. But I'm, I'm wondering if this could be a lead up into, you know, maybe something in November that we might see uh, uh, happen again. Well, you know what? I love seeing him get into the the Masters class because, you know, we've we've seen so many guys want to come back and run it in the pro class, whatever it may be, but it's just tough. They don't have any seat time. And how many many awesome guys have we saw saw run in the Masters category uh, at the Super Nationals? Even Will Power, you know, your your Verizon IndyCar Series champion at one point ran in. X30 Masters or Tag Masters. And I, I like that. Well, right? I like that. One of the latest, one of the latest that we thought we'd never see was Phil Giebler. True. Yeah. You know, again, Phil Giebler was one of those guys that were was running a factory Tony Kart back when the magazine started, yeah. I think, you know. So, you know, to see these guys now in Masters, it's, it's pretty cool. Going to the other end of the spectrum, I know that you were happy to see a, a really good turnout in the KA100 Junior category. I think that's big for the series. Yeah, kind of like what I said earlier, you know, half of those of those drivers that made up the 14 that were there were, were from the GoPro Motorplex Club uh, racing series there. So I think as 
as the engine starts to uh, to hit the club levels, uh, I think we'll be able to see this category grow a little bit more. You know, we, we already see, you know, a number of Yamaha junior drivers at the WK Man Cup Series, which is probably one of the most competitive and fun classes to watch. You know, this one had a lot of kids that, you know, weren't aren't quite at the level to race X30. So they race KA100. Uh, we didn't see any drivers racing both. Uh, I believe one tried to, but he just focused on K100. And uh, so it was, you know, so it wasn't a big, there, there weren't any crossover or double duty drivers, I should say, yep. uh, doing it. So it was, it, it's almost kind of, if you want to look at it, it's all, it was almost like the, the semi pro class, but you don't want to necessarily yeah. say that because, you know, it's a different element racing the K100 to compared to the X30. Uh, uh, it was so good to feeling- see. You're feeling, David, that there'll, there'll be more momentum with that category moving to the next race? Well, I think especially going to GoPro next for the series, uh, the numbers should probably increase. Uh, and then when we go to Newcastle, now that uh, uh, Route 66, I believe, is running the junior class as well, maybe we'll see an increase in numbers when we go to Newcastle uh, for the finale. So it, it it definitely has the opportunity to increase. And and, and I think in turn, it, it's kind of taking entries away from the X30. But again, we have a number of drivers in the X30 category throughout the eastern half of the country. So um, I think I think it's great to have the opportunity to have both. And if we continue to see not a lot of drivers doing both, I think that that shows the the uh, the growth of of the uh, junior age category that we have right now. You know, it also shows that there was indeed a need for the KA100. Right, that a little more affordable, a little less power. If if there's that, there was you said there was 14 guys who decided to run that category instead of X30 Junior. That you know, we always say that somebody brings a class in, and we we use the term, "Well, that you know, that's the answer to a question no one's ever asked." Um, that one, obviously, with the support it's been getting, that's a question that was that, that's a that's a spot that needed a demographic that needed to get serviced by a, an engine that was perfect. And apparently, the ka 100s really been supported well. Well, yeah, and that's a you know obviously that's been the discussion for the last what two years now that we we've talked about this engine compared to the Yamaha, uh, you know it, it's something we can talk about a little bit more later, but you know it it's it's a bit easier um, when you look at it uh, maintenance wise and and tuning wise the K is a lot easier to do than the than the Yamaha and and the, also the perception of having to have the perfect motor we don't have that right now with the K one hundred because they're all running out right out of the box. Uh, you can't exactly do that with a Yamaha. All right, Dave, let's, let's talk about the numbers a, a little bit, you know, 113 entries total uh, over the seven categories. It, tough because obviously the, you know, the gear up F series, which is a great series up in the, up in the, uh, the Northeast, they had their first race of the year on the same weekend out at Kershaw. And tough to see that to have those two events essentially probably draw from each other. Yeah, they did. Uh, you know, it, it limited some of the, the 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 regional guys from from attending a USPKS program, but in turn, you know, some of the guys that we see on the national scene uh, in the minis and in the juniors uh, categories um, and even senior uh, go to the F series and race there rather than racing at the USPKS program. So, you know, you know, it's great to see that we had what I, what I think we said over almost 250 carters at, from the two events. Yeah. So it's good to see that in terms of numbers. But, uh, you know, I would like, you know, it'd be a lot better if, if if programs like these worked together and didn't schedule right on top of each other. 
interesting that when you look at actually the numbers from both programs, uh, USPKS 113 drivers spread over seven classes, F-Series right around 100, I think about 130 when it was all said and done, over the their, uh, their seven classes, or eight classes rather. So both series averaging about 16.1, 16.2 drivers per category. So essentially the same turnout from both programs. And as you said, about 250 drivers on track racing, uh, whether it be in Florida or in South Carolina. Yeah, no, it, it, like, I guess it, it shows good numbers, but in all big picture, I would, I would much rather see these, you know, these programs all working together. Cause you know, we see USPKS making sure they're not on top of, you know, WK or SCUSA and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm not quite sure what happened between gear up and USPKS to make this happen, but uh, you know, it did. And, you know, yeah, I guess it's it's just the nature of the beast that we have in karting. True enough, there's only so many open weekends. All right, David, let's uh, let's shut down the paddock pass here on the other side of this break, folks. David Cole is going to come back and give us the first segment of the race report from the USPKS opener at Ocala Grand Prix. Kometic Gasket is a leading worldwide supplier of gaskets and engine sealing solutions for karting, automotive performance, power sports, original equipment, and the remanufactured engine industries. Kometic karting gaskets are available as OE replacement top-end kits or as individual gaskets and seals. Just like competitive carters, Kometic can operate on the fly and has the unique capability to customize any gasket to meet specific engine requirements and clearances. All of Kometic's fiber materials are asbestos-free and do not require any additional sealants. Viton oil ring cylinder head seals are used in each two-cycle kit, and Kometic's four-cycle engine kits feature only the most advanced multi-layer steel head gaskets. Kometic can tailor to engine builder-specific needs through bulk ordering and packaging flexibility. Kometic gaskets are must-haves for championship-winning teams across multiple disciplines of both professional and amateur motorsports. Kometic gasket. Sealing championships since 1989. In racing, you always want to be focused on improvement. Improving your driving, your braking, your lines, and your understanding of chassis dynamics. At the Rawls Performance Group, we specialize in driver development and providing a platform to maximize every opportunity for success. Our staff is made up of multi-time national champions, Super Nationals winners, and Team USA members. We're dedicated to your development, your constant improvement, and your success. Our goal is to help you raise your game and win races. It's what we do. We win. RPG can provide training and trackside support for many of the sport's biggest programs. In 2018, we will be running the Supercart USA Pro Tour, Winter Series, the Super Nationals, and both the California Pro Kart Challenge and the Can-Am Karting Challenge. If you're looking forward to 2018 and you want to explode out of the gate to put in the best season of your life, call us to reserve a space under our tent for the inaugural SCUSA Winter Series. We'll be in Florida to win championships, and we'd love to have you with us. Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network. Rob Howden alongside David Cole. David quarterbacking this particular edition of the debrief, episode number 21, as he, break down, he breaks down the opening round of the United States Pro Kart Series at the Ocala Grand Prix, the Southern Grand Prix, the event. Uh, David, as we jump in here, 
I'll let you have at it. X30 Pro, as you said at the very top of the broadcast, it kind of return to the numbers that we've normally seen in the pro category. Well, as if if I were to say we go to Ocala Grand Prix, who would you think would would stand out? Would it be guys from New York or or Illinois or Indiana? Who do you think would show up? I'm just going to throw out the guys that maybe have raced for OGP and have a ton of track time on that track. <laughs> and, and, and you know that that pretty much was it in the in the two senior categories, especially in X30 Pro with you know Austin Garrison, a former OGP driver who's got thousands of laps around that track, was a driver. Yeah. He was just basically the driver to beat all weekend. Um, swept Saturday, was uh, just basically untouched, unchallenged throughout the day. Uh, Armin Kavkusik was able to uh, to be the second fastest driver on the racetrack and work his way up into second. Alex Bertinoli uh, ran third. Uh, the next day, Garrison was again uh, the driver to beat. Uh, the, the The field was kept close, kept a little bit closer than they did on Saturday. Um, Kavkusik actually got around him at the start of the final, wasn't able to keep it for more than a lap uh, until Garrison retook the spot and then just kind of walked away from there. But uh, that one little uh, lap that he had behind uh, Armin uh, pushed the bumper back just a tad enough to uh, to cause a penalty. So Garrison actually crossed the line as the provisional winner, dominated the race, but because of the bumper uh, being dislodged enough to uh, warrant a two-position penalty, that gave the victory over to Zach Hollingshead, another OGP driver and actually a, a senior rookie. So he was able to get a, a big victory for himself. Uh, the penalty actually to Garrison moved Brandon Jarzakrak up to second and dropped Garrison down to third. Uh, so it was a tough break. It was a tough break for that's Garrison. The, that's the black and white of that pushback bumper, isn't it? It is. And I talked to him afterwards and I, you know, part of the problem that they, they couldn't uh, uh, look at, at uh, retracting the penalty was he had no GoPro on. And that's, yeah. that was one of the things that when the pushback bumper system was introduced last year in the series, if you have GoPro footage and it determines that you did not make an uh, improper move to cause the bumper to, uh, to be pushed back, then the, the penalty will be taken away. Well, he, he is a driver who chooses not to run a GoPro on his cart. And, um, you know, one, one of the things he talked about was, well, maybe they need to get, you know, video marshalling for this series. And I said, well, I, I said, Dawson, it's probably easier for you to get a $200 GoPro and put it on your cart rather than for a series to spend sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 on cameras and the whole system and, you know, making five, having five people put it together throughout the weekend and doing yeah. that. And so I, I hope yeah. I got across to him that point. Um, and, and I think, I think, I hope a lot of other, other drivers understand that because I think we're starting to see that more and more guys are putting on GoPros, not only to help them as a driver, you know, in case they're, you know, they're, tr they're trying to figure out where they can gain just that one extra little tenth, but, but to ensure that if a penalty is put on them, they have the proper evidence to, uh, to retract that. Agreed. No, I think that's, I think you're bang on with that one, David. We are underway with the race report presented by Franklin Motorsports and Merlin USA. David giving us the rundown on X30 Pro. We've already talked, David, about X30 Masters and how great the racing was. Uh, give us the details on it. Well, the two guys to beat throughout the weekend, Jonathan Silva making the trek all the way from California, coming out to race with J3 uh, aboard his comp cart, and then local driver, 
uh, Scott Roberts, who is a, I believe, two-time Team USA member. So a guy who, who's been able to uh, to have success in the Masters category for sure, and not only at home, but you know throughout Florida and the Eastern Coast. Um, those two were basically going at it throughout Saturday and the weekend. Uh, Silva looked to have the advantage, but Roberts got him in both heat races. So uh, they lined up uh, one, two on the uh, final grid. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't quite make it through the first corner without bumping into each other and going off course. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, I was listening to that one. I was listening to the EK and live coverage of that, and I just went, I just kind of cringed. I'm like, oh no, guys, it's a long yeah, race. Let's not take it. Yeah, I did. Lap one. I didn't one. quite get to see it. Uh, you know, with you've been in the booth, it's not exactly the best viewpoint for no. for the start and trying to do everything. I wasn't able to get down and see the start, so um, I didn't. And, and with the rain that night, I wasn't able to go and talk to them and, and see exactly what happened. But you know, again, it was just kind of one of those racing incidents, and you know, there wasn't any scuffle. There wasn't any you know middle fingers getting pointed at one another. So. <laughs> They no, they, they didn't, didn't drop, drop the gloves. gloves. They kind of just sat there and watched the race and in, in disgust as they, they know they could have won because out front it was actually Scott Speed who slid into the lead uh, with their contact and went wire to wire for the victory. So, uh, you know, it was what the, the great thing about Scott's story is he wasn't even pra- – he didn't even practice Friday. He got there Friday, came with his wife and kids to, uh, you know, to see the uh, – see the family, I think a little bit. And, uh, they just, they kind of conned him into racing. So I think he was actually r- running with Alex's, uh, gear on, uh, one of Tyler Gonzalez's <laughs> spare carts, probably engines as well. And, uh, just went out there and, and was able to score victory in his first master's race ever. Nice. I like it. That sets up perfectly for the super nationals. It, it does. And, and I think he probably would have had a chance to, to score a second victory, but uh, on Sunday he elected not to race. Um, he had uh, pulled a muscle during a golf outing, I believe it was. So, uh, yeah. so uh, his brother told him that as well, but uh, I, you know, I let it go. And, you know, so I, he also, but the, the main, the main reason was is he had a test in the car the next day. So, um, so, you know, definitely have to look at the day job before you go out and have fun in the cart. Yeah, there are priorities when you're a professional race car driver. Yeah. I understand that. For but sure. a, a, a great, re- another great yeah. return was Scott Falcone, who hadn't been in the cart, I think he said, for maybe two years. Wow. Uh, joined up with the Cart uh, Sport North America program again, came out and was able to take the second place over Rob Mayer, uh, another longtime Masters driver, I believe. Um, so, you know, again, so, you know, it was, it was a good Saturday. Uh, I know Silva and Roberts didn't quite end the way they wanted to, but there was the next day, which again didn't quite end up the way they wanted to again because Silva and was the quickest cart on Sunday again. Roberts wasn't quite able to get him in the prefinals, so Silva took the lead. So they started one two again, almost you know flip flop positions. Silva was able to get the jump on him, and then within the the after the first lap, Silva just kind of lost the cart underneath him spun and Roberts had nowhere to go, but run right into him. Ouch. So again, it was just, you know, it wasn't quite the, the weekend that these two wanted, but you know, I think they're, they'll be able to bounce back when we go to GoPro. Nice. Nice. But so who stepped up? Yeah. So, so we're, I was kind of sitting there like, okay, well, who's, who's going to be there? Uh, Laurentiu Mardan took the lead for a little bit, but it ended up being Todd Chambeau, a uh, driver from Georgia who just, 
got by around Mardan and just walked away with it and just didn't let anybody come near him the rest of the final and uh, was able to score a victory for his uh, first one in the series. Uh, second place. Oh, so go ahead. No, I was just going to say, interesting as well. I, I, I just look at some of the notes that, that Mardan was on a new, a new chassis as well, running the Techno. Yeah, Mardan came to the, the weekend not having any laps on the Techno. So it was a strange idea, you know, starting out the new season on a new cart and you've never run any laps before. So the the weekend was kind of a progression for him. You know, he kind of learning what the cart was going to do uh, throughout Friday. Uh, the speed wasn't quite – he was kind of there Friday night, at Friday at the end of uh, practice. Wasn't quite there Saturday, but Sunday obviously uh, stepped up the game, was able to finish second ahead of uh, – uh, Danny Robertson, who was uh, moved up to third after a number of bumper penalties uh, for some, for some drivers who were within the top five. We'll see whether or not the bumper penalties from the pushback actually work with these guys, and and we see some cleaner racing, uh, at least in this category when we get to GoPro for the uh, the second event well, in the series. Yeah. Well, I think I think those were more kind of like uh, chain reactions. Okay. All right. Uh, and to be Close honest, racing. I don't think. You know, he, well, again, you know, if, if a guy stomps on his brakes in front of you and you don't quite catch it in time, you're going to run into the back of him and it's going to get pushed in. Yeah. And again, I think that's, you know, where the GoPro comes in. If you have the ability to show that, uh, you know, you, you got, you had nowhere to go, but hit them. Um, it's not, it's not, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the penalty they always call when, when, when you're driving like an idiot. <laughs> avoidable contact. Unavoidable contact. There <laughs> it is. <laughs> avoidable contact. When you're driving like an idiot. Yes. Avoidable contact. You're right. If it's if it's unavoidable, then they can make the change. You're right. Okay, yeah. I like that. Now, X30 Pro, great racing. Uh X30 Masters, uh, some issues up top. What about the X30 Junior category? Uh, you know, in, in looking at the your, your reports that you posted on eCarding News as part of our ECAN trackside live coverage, seems like a dominating weekend for Tyler Gonzalez. It was. Uh, he was he was basically uh, the driver to beat all weekend long. Uh, his teammate from uh, Speed Concepts Racing, Kiffin Simpson, was was kind of there uh, throughout the weekend, but didn't quite have the pace uh, to keep up with Gonzalez at the end of the finals. Uh, Simpson did outqualify him on Sunday, along with uh, Nicholas Terlecki, a uh, junior rookie, uh, as well as Simpson is. Uh, so these two rookies were trying to to battle the former Super Nationals uh, winner uh, on, uh, and they were they were more in the battle on Sunday because Saturday Gonzalez had basically gone every race except for he too when he got a flat tire, um, but uh, he bounced back in the final to just walk away with for the victory. Simpson ended up second. Kyle Tommy uh, in his first kart race since I believe September when we were in Autobahn. Uh, so he was back behind the wheel for the first time in a long time, but was able to run to third. So it was a great uh, return for him to step, step up onto the podium. Uh, as I said on Sunday, Terlecki and Simpson were right there kind of battling uh, Gonzalez in the prefinal. Uh, unfortunately, Terlecki had a bumper penalty on the prefinal, so it dropped him uh, further back in the final grid. Gonzalez and Simpson just kind of walked away from the, from the rest of the field, and they went 1-2 as uh, Terlecki fought his way back up to uh, – the third position to land on his first podium of the USBKS program. Yeah, the Speed Concepts Racing guys looking pretty good. And again, Gonzalez knows that track at Ocala very, very well. And it's it's not so much 
I don't know if it's not so much that it's just the track knowledge because, you know, the guys at this level can get to a facility like that, practice on Friday and get a good feel for the track. But they just – everything's set up, especially with the speeds, whether it's the speeds or whether it's OGP team. You know, they're not making a lot of changes to these carts. They're coming in with a baseline that they've set up over thousands of laps, as you said. So really the, the package they put on the racetrack and the drivers they put in the seats really have things sorted when it comes to Ocala. Well, there it's about hitting the marks. Yeah. I mean, there's there's so few there's so few turns. Uh, I believe what eight really. I think they call it eight. That uh, <clears throat> excuse me. That you look at, and and they're all most you know, majority of them are one eighties. So it's all about hitting your marks each and every lap to uh, to keep your lap times within that one or two tenth margin. There it is. Some input from David Cole. We have wrapped up the first part of this race report. We've got KA one hundred senior junior. Mini Swift and Micro Swift still to come here on the EKN Debrief. We'll be back after these messages. For over a century, Briggs & Stratton has had a commitment and passion for racing. It's a DNA found in every engine we build today. So whether you kart race, Baja, race quarter midgets, or believe that dirt and snow are just God's way of adding to the challenge, the dedicated spirit of every Briggs & Stratton employee stands at the fence waiting for the green flag to drop. Briggs and Stratton Racing, what powers you? Since 2003, K1 Race Gear has been a one-stop shop for all your indoor and outdoor karting needs. From racing shoes, suits, and driving gloves to chest protectors, rib vests, accessories, and bags, K1 Race Gear provides quality karting products for the enthusiast and the professional alike. We have an incredible lineup of K1 karting suits designed to fit everyone's budget. Check out our entry-level GK2, the new Apex 2, and our top-of-the-line Speed 1 suit. Then, choose from our Apex and RS1 karting gloves and add in our K1 shoes, rib protectors, and neck collars. If you need a custom suit to support your sponsors, we can create a custom look as unique as you are. As you would expect, our custom suits are made to order. With pricing as low as $495, you're sure to find a suit that not only satisfies your racing needs, but is easy on the wallet as well. We take care of all of our customers at K1 Race Gear, not just the ones with deep pockets. Visit k1racegear.com today and get everything you need for your next racing season. Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network. David Cole taking the ball here today. Uh, I'm kind of just running maybe, what, uh, fullback right now, David? I don't think I'm doing a whole lot of work. I'm just punching a hole for you to come up through the middle. Um, No, you're you're quarterback. I'm fullback because I'm doing all the work. Oh, wow. Wow. (laughs) That's what, you know what? That's what a a Chicago Bears fan would say. Well, we we have a great running game. You do, you do. Again, this is the race report uh, presented by Franklin Motorsports and, and Merlin USA. David's already gone through the X30 categories uh, for the first round of the USPKS, which was held at Ocala Grand Prix. David, let's jump into KA100 Senior. Uh, just the KA programs, you know, we talked about it off the top of the debrief. A great addition to this program and really has both the senior and junior categories. I think I've kind of fit into a nice gap where in, in terms of uh, investment, uh, the money it takes to run, and the speed as well. I think those categories really have been have found a gap right there with the Yamaha, but with maybe newer technology. Yeah. Um, I, 
And the good thing about this year in the case 100 senior was that we saw a lot of new faces uh, because last year it was buy an engine, get the entries for all season. So we had the same drivers at every race. Basically, there were, you know, uh, I think they had 25 maybe average that they had, you know, so it was all the same people this year. Uh, the number wasn't quite as high, but we saw a lot of new faces, not a lot of uh, drivers that returned. So it's it's good to see the uh, the engine program growing. Um, and and this this weekend we saw, we had a new winner in both days with uh, Zach Hollingshead uh, scoring the victory on both days. How was uh, in, in terms of scoring the victory? What what kind of performance did he what did he put in? Was it dominant? Was he the kind of guy that did he qualify well and, and lead the whole weekend, or was there a battle up front? Yeah, he I mean, he was he was basically the top driver to beat Uh, that being an OGP driver. Again, you have lots of laps on the racetrack. It's all about hitting your marks, as we just talked about uh, earlier. Uh, But, you know, with the K100, it was still some some close racing. And and luckily for him, he was able to get away from some of the the racing for second. So a lot of that helped him out uh, pull away. But again, also consistent laps Uh, on Saturday. It was Dylan Gennaro. Uh, running on the top cart. He was the top challenger on Saturday. Uh, definitely gave him a run for the money early on. But uh, again, as they fought for second, uh, Zach was able to run away. And then Gennaro was left back fighting for uh, for the second spot. Uh, Morgan Healy uh, racing under the OGP uh, tent for the weekend, taking off the uh, race director hat and putting back on the helmet. Um, she got into the battle with Gennaro. Those two made contact on the final lap. So that put uh, Colton Ramsey on the podium with Josh Holtz sliding up to second. So uh, uh, those two raced uh, the KA100 last year. But, you know, again, with Hollingshead, Healy, Gennaro, all new faces in the front. So it was a great mix of, of new faces and old faces uh, up front. Nice. How about Sunday's action? Sunday, Holtz, uh I think this was probably Holtz, one of his best weekends that we saw uh, at the USPKS. Uh, was able to out-qualify everybody for the pole position. Uh, but uh, in the pre-final, Hollingshead and Healy took control. They kind of ran 1-2 uh, in the pre-final. They were both running 1-2 again in the final. Uh, Hollingshead was able to just be more consistent with lap times. I talked to Morgan. She said, yeah, I saw the halfway mark, and I thought I was going to die. So uh, <laughs> so being, being out of the seat kind of hurt her a little bit, and that allowed Holtz to to close back up. So he came in late in the final was able to steal a second spot away from uh, from Morgan. So, uh, but it, overall, it was it was great racing uh, in the K100. Aside from the contact between uh, Gennaro and Healy, but uh, overall, great racing. Yeah, sounds like some really good storylines. Good to see Morgan back on the racetrack. And again, the thing I love about uh, an opening round of any series uh, is you kind of get to see the players who are stepping to the forefront. You never know who it's going to be, whether the drivers maybe from last year are able to step up a little more. You said some new names, which, which will be good. Hopefully we'll see uh, them make the trek to GoPro as well when uh, the series gets ready to go for since rounds three and four, event number two on the series. How about K8 100 Junior? You've talked a lot about this already. Uh, 14 drivers uh, in the field for the debut. How did things go in terms of uh, actual racing itself? Well, for trivia buffs, the top first top qualifier ever for the USPKS program in KA100 Junior, Dalton Haynes. So uh, he was able to clip off a, a fast lap in qualifying, but the day actually belonged to Jacob Graham. Graham uh, just dominated the remainder of the day. Uh, the, he They were the, actually the first class on track after the rain delay, 
So he he <laughs> kind of was a little timid and in the wet conditions in the first opening laps, dropped by back to I believe it was sixth sixth place, uh, but worked his way back up to the to the win in heat two, and then went on to score the victory in the final, uh, uncontested against Erickson, Erickson Evans and uh, Spencer Lofton. David Cole giving us the breakdown, the EKN debrief of the opening round of the USPKS here on the EKN Radio Network. Uh, David, keep keep rolling through. We got some Swift classes to talk about as well. Well, I got to talk about Sunday first, so hold on. Oh, sorry, yeah, you're down. not even listening to me, are you? You're just ta- you're just I drinking talk. your coffee and <laughs> my water's almost gone. Actually. Go. I need another water. Anyway, so uh, again, uh, Sunday we had a different qualifier with Lofton ending up on the pole position. Uh, but Graham bounced back, scoring the pre-final win in the, uh, on Sunday. But the two went back and forth, back and forth throughout the final. And then Lofton ended up coming away with the victory uh, on Sunday over Graham. Nice to have a couple different winners kind of shakes things up going to the next round. It will. And I think we'll definitely see some more of the, uh, the local drivers from, uh, from GoPro come out and, and probably race with the program. So, uh, that that it'll be interesting to see how that co- category develops again, as we said uh, throughout the season. Well, you had mentioned earlier too that the Route 66 will be underway at that point. They're they're going to have the KA100 Junior Class as well as are a number of different clubs. There's definitely going to be a bigger pool to draw from because some some guys haven't even got the carts out of the garage yet. <laughs> you know, it's just up here in the north. Uh, people haven't even practiced yet, so I think that uh, once things get going, you can see some new names down there. Exactly. All right. I apologize for jumping the gun. Let's go to Mini Swift. We got about five or six minutes left here. Let's go. Yep. Yeah, it was uh, it was tough competition all weekend long. Uh, Alex Powell looked to have a sweep on Saturday. Basically, dominated the day with qualifying in the two heat wins, uh, but it ended up being uh, him along with Fletcher, uh, Jeremy Fletcher, and yep. Christian Miles battling for the lead in the final. And ended up being Miles securing the victory with a last corner pass over Fletcher, which was a shock because Fletcher had the home track advantage. Yeah. So it was it was a shock to see Miles be able to to uh, <laughs> to slip on by. He just saw the real estate and took it, and uh, was able to beat Fletcher to the line for the victory with uh, Powell ending up uh, third on the podium. Good for him. That's a tough place, you know. It's it's pretty easy to defend to the inside of that final big sweeping left hander at Ocala. And as we saw at the Scusa Winter Series, Jeremy Fletcher can get around that track unbelievably well. He was absolutely impressive when we were down there uh, for the Scusa event in in February. But good to see him back up front. And but also, you know, you and I both love it. Last lap pass, always fun to call. It was, and it, and it looked kind of like Fletcher was waiting for the over under thinking that Miles is going to just slide on out to the outside yeah. as he uh, as he went inside and Miles was just able to to able to hang it on or hang on to the inside and and beat him beat him to the line. So it was it was fun to watch and and like you said Fletcher watching him pass not the the tree corner they call tree corner but the other 180 right-hander. <laughs> yeah. That 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 guy just loves that corner and he was passing guys there every lap it seemed. Wild thing is, is that the kind of lineup for the race win, the battle in on Sundays was there were a lot of different players in there. It was. It kind of got a little bit more heated out there in the mini swift category on Sunday. Got a lot of, not a lot of guys were playing nice with each other, but it. Uh, <laughs> but actually, Paul Bokus actually stepped up his game. Came out with uh, P one in qualifying. Didn't quite was wasn't quite able to hang on in the pre final, so that ended up going to Brent Cruz. Uh, with Bukos dropping down to fifth, 
But again, in the final, it was kind of just sh- crazy shenanigans, as uh, Tim Coyne would say. And uh, Sorensen, Kai Sorensen from California, came out, raced with Bennick. Uh, he and Bukos just kind of pulled away from the field as as the rest of the guys just kind of went back and forth, back and forth. Uh, and these two settled it all the way to the checkered flag uh, with the with the tightest finish of the weekend, 37 thousandths of a second with Bokus getting his first victory uh, over Sorensen. Wow. That's, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. And again, Fletcher, Fletcher on the podium again in third. So it was another good weekend for him. Well, you're just you're seeing these same names when we're talking about uh, top level mini swift racing. It's it's the guys that we expect to battle all the way through the season, and then again battle for the uh, for the win at Supernats in November. Let's cap off the race report brought to you by Franklin Motorsports and Merlin USA. David, wrap it all up with Micro Swift. Micro split weekend for Caleb Graffar and Ben Mayer. Mayer was able to beat Graffar both heat races on Saturday, but it ended up being Graffar scoring the victory uh, in the final. Cameron Brinkman on the Merlin uh, rounded out the podium on Saturday. Sunday, all mayor sweeping the day. Uh, the final was a back and forth between him and Graffar. Mayor ended up able to hold off the last lap charge by Graffar to uh, score the victory. Uh, Ethan Ayers with another podium at Ocala, uh, scoring the third place there. Yeah, a couple of badasses in that micro swift category. Both Gaffara and uh, Mayor were expecting in the battle uh, all year long. That's it for the race report here on the debrief for the USPKS uh, opening round in Ocala Grand Prix. Let's have a quick look at the EKN Trackside Live race calendar brought to you today by Nitro Kart. April 13th, 14th, 15th, this coming weekend, David and I will head to the Challenge of the Americas, uh, their finale at Sim Raceway Performance Karting Center in Sonoma. Looking forward to some Rock Cup action. Uh, A couple weeks after that, Supercarts USA refires the Pro Tour at the Spring Nationals Moved to Phoenix Kart Racing Association in Glendale. Again, that's the first weekend of May. Expecting a great turnout there as the Pro Tour continues to march to Newcastle and the finale, the Summer Nationals. A couple of weeks later, David Cole back uh, on track with the WK Manufacturers Cup Series, the EKN trackside live coverage there. Eric Brennan on the mic at the Pittsburgh International Race Complex. That's May 18th, 19th, 20th. The same time, I expect to be at the Can-Am Karting Challenge at Tri-Cities Kart Club out in Richland, Washington, one of our double race weekends. And then moving into June, last event that we'll talk about here on the EK and Trackside Live race calendar, I go back to the great state of Texas, a night race for the Texas Pro Kart Challenge, North Texas Carters. We go back to Denton. David, going to be a, a really good run for us here. In fact, I got it right now. I roll into, I think, about a five races and six weekends. I think that's my, maybe, or maybe six and, I think it's six and seven. It's going to be pretty crazy. I'm going to give you one opportunity, David. We've got about one minute remaining here in the debrief. How about you wrap up the opening weekend? for the Yeah, USPKS? it was just, uh, it was overall great racing. Uh, we were able to avoid the uh, heavy rains that came washing in Saturday night. Great to have warm weather. Uh, pushback bumper continues. Uh, obviously had a major impact in the X30 Pro and X30 Masters and other categories as well. Yeah. So uh, we'll continue to watch that. Uh, great return for Scott Speed coming back to karting, racing with his father and brother. Scoring a victory. Uh, always great to see Scott back behind the cart. And uh, the KA100 package. We're going to continue to see that grow and and watch it create some tighter fields in the uh, senior and junior categories. 
Yeah, a lot of great stuff to continue to follow as the USPKS marches its way as well through to its finale uh, later on this year. Ladies and gentlemen, that is it. Episode number 21 here on the EKN Radio Network, the EKN Debrief. David Cole giving us a full breakdown of the United States Pro Kart Series opener at Ocala Grand Prix, the Southern Grand Prix. That wraps things up here on the EKN Radio Network. Remember, ecardinews.com slash radio. Get ready. Our new mobile app. Almost ready to release. We'll let you know when you can download that. But thank you so much for joining both David and myself here on the EKN Radio Network.